From its origin as a utility for the U.S. Department of Defense to the advent of social networks, online communities, and e-commerce, the internet is a melting pot of ideas, information, and creativity. Each week, join our hosts Michael and Josh as they explore this weird wide web and learn how this relatively new phenomenon is changing our culture. This is Generation Web. Welcome to episode four of Generation Web, everyone. We've made it another week. Sorry we're a little late. Some circumstances out of our control. Uh, and I hope everyone was okay with last week's format. I did get a couple messages about people being a little confused about how we opened up uh, last week's episode with a kind of like a cold open outtake. Um, like to get your thoughts on that, uh, listeners in general. And we're going to be doing a couple different things here um, that I want to kind of get some housekeeping out of the way for. Uh, before we get to introductions and anything else, uh, first of all, thank you. We're now uh, some ungodly way. We're we're now sitting close to 500 Twitter followers. We're over 10,000 plays on Spotify. Uh, we just are completely taken back by how you guys have listened, um, and we want to engage you guys any way we can. So if uh, anything, any suggestions, ideas, topics you'd like us to talk about, uh, we're all ears, and we're going to be putting up, I think, the primary uh, way we're going to communicate is through Twitter, just based on where you guys have decided to follow. So we'll be doing updates on Twitter. Uh, I've got some polls coming out. want to know about uh, maybe changing up the format. Do we want to see some live streams and more videos? Do we want some music in the background? Uh, we're here for you guys. We want to listen. Um, and without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Josh. And we've got another guest. Uh, our third wheel this week is his friend, Keith. How you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Doing good, brother. Thank you for having me. So Josh and I are down here in Florida. Where where are you at in the world, Keith? I am South Jersey, about 10 minutes outside of uh, South Philadelphia. Oh, boy. This is going to be a fun episode. (laughs) Two Northerners (laughs) against a boy born and raised in Georgia. This is going to be a fun one. So we're going to dive into what's probably going to be the typical episode intro uh, going forward is we're going to jump right into our two favorite segments. These are what uh, everyone seems to be listening for. Last week, we had uh, huge numbers listening into the positively negative segment, which I think was a hit. And we're going to dive into some conspiracy corner. So, Josh, if you're ready, sir, I've got some articles for you. See if you can shit or react Again, if you dare. <laughs> All right, hit me, man. What do you got for me? Uh, so uh, this this week I wanted to go a little on the weird. So I found three articles on the offbeat section of Sky News. I don't know anything more than that other than it's Sky News. Um, this article is titled, Coronavirus, I Need More Beer. 93-year-old Facebook appeal goes viral. Uh, and this uh, 93-year-old woman was staying at home to protect herself against coronavirus. Uh, she has a big problem. She's running out of booze. And then there is a nice little picture of her in her nursing home holding up the sign that says, I need more beer and a Coors Light. Okay, and what happened? Now she's going viral on Facebook. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm familiar with it. I saw it on Facebook as well. And apparently they dropped her off like a ton of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, man, you picked a tough one. You're testing me. You're testing me this week. Um, because that's a positive story. I'm a big beer drinker, but my negative spin on this, 
Coors Light is terrible. <laughs> it's just water, man. <laughs> and it's it's so funny that it's a 93-year-old woman that was requesting Coors Light because that is literally their demographic. Um, you know, Can somebody just get her a Bud Light, please? <laughs> anything. Anything but Coors Light. Like Even out of the light beers, which I'm not a huge fan of, I would rank them third. I'd rank Coors third behind Bud Light and Miller Light. I think Miller Light's the best of the three. All three of them suck because I drink pretty often. They don't really have too much of an impact on me, but props to her for uh, demanding something and someone being kind enough to, um, you know, fill that request and hook her up with some beer. But yeah, man, Coors, they might as well give it away because it's just water. It's it's horrible. It's the shittiest beer. Not a fan. <laughs> so you heard it there first. Coors Light, only for grandmas. <laughs> yes. Up next, a the article title five hundred thousand dollar. Well, let's rephrase five hundred thousand euro bet on rock paper scissors written off by Court of Appeal in Canada. I guess it's not the euro; it would be Canadian dollars. Technically, it depends where you are in Canada. So okay. uh, here we go. A man who bet big in the best of three game of rock paper scissors has been saved by his debts from the Quebec court of appeal. Uh, the defendant owed $517,000, about 296,000 euros after losing to uh, the other person named in this article in 2011 was forced to remortgage his home to meet the cost, but the court has now written off his debts. <laughs> that is unbelievable. All right. A couple things about this story. The first is, this is a great story to bring to my attention, because in a former life, I was, uh, I like to dabble in in gambling, mostly on sports. And uh, it's actually great that you bring this up, because Keith, I know he still gambles, loves going to the casino. Uh, Also, big time sports gambler. Um, But here's my take on this. It's just typical of the Canadian government to do something that ridiculous. If you're going to place a bet, you have to uphold it. And if you don't, you have to pay the consequences. So the fact that the Canadian government rescued this guy from having to pay out $500,000 for an unintelligent bet is just, it's just, it's a bogus move. It's bullshit. That guy should definitely have to pay that bet off. And that guy's a degenerate and he needs to. <laughs> call 1-800-GAMBLER and put himself in a rehab. Um, I can think of a million other ways that you can lose $500,000. You know what I mean? Go spend it on OnlyFans subscriptions or something. Really? Rocks, paper, scissors? Loser. Loser! Man, he's, he's, he's hunting that thrill. Absolutely generous. <laughs> All right. Last up for Positively Negative. Coronavirus, man forced to isolate alone in a ghost town with murderous past after being snowed in. So this one takes place in uh, Cerro Gordo, California. Uh, This gentleman, Brent, uh, says he's been uh, resorting to melting snow uh, to survive for water. He's trapped in, snowed in, in this haunted town. Um... And he has some quotes here in this article. I'll just give you uh, some of them just to give you some context here. I've heard some strange sounds, and I've had a book fall off a shelf for no apparent reason. Having said that, I've never felt under uh, never felt under threat from any spirits. So maybe we found a way to coexist uh, peacefully. I'm definitely all open-minded about it now. 
Oh my god. Where to begin on this? First of all, it sounds like the third Silent Hill plot that someone in Hollywood is conjuring up right now. <laughs> um, he's, the second he's there thing is... writing it. <laughs> yeah, seriously, he's the one now writing it. Um, that's going to do real well in theaters. Um, yeah. Second thing is this poor guy. Um, it sucks that he's snowed in. Um, but I don't, I don't buy in, you know, I'm the big conspiracy guy, but I'm not, I don't buy into the ghosts, the spirits. I don't buy into any of that bullshit. Yeah. I'm not big into the paranormal, man. I'm just, so this guy, all right. A book fell off of a shelf. I mean, how stereotypical can you get when it comes Mm -hmm. to your paranormal experiences? The fact that someone took the time to write this article just shows to you kind of what the world's coming to right now with coronavirus and people being stuck inside and there's nothing to do. There's really not much to talk about in the news. So they're writing stories about some loser that snowed in his house and a book fell off of his shelf. Apparently, this uh, town was featured in an episode of Ghost Adventures where they concluded or planted evidence that it was haunted. Uh, of the ghosts of two children who died after being trapped in the closet. Sounds like The Shining, too. One of them later grew up reportedly to be R. Kelly. <laughs> All right. That's positively negative. There's your takes on the random articles I can find on the internet. Like I said, last week we did a little up and down. I tried to throw some good stuff with some bad stuff. Uh, this week I just went with the weird and obscure. We'll try to see if we can get uh, Josh uh, next week. Let's see if yeah, I, can... I think, like I said, the first story was pretty good, man. It's difficult to be negative, but um, you know, if you would have if you would have said like, you know, woman puts a sign up and says, "Hey, I need uh, high ally IPA," there would be nothing nothing negative about that story. Nah, I think it's pretty basic. I think it's the the worst story of all of them. I mean, it's just another example of a senior citizen just looking for handouts. <laughs> I mean, they have handicap parking. They have, you know, discounts. They try to button line. You know, if I was a, a 29-year-old male and I put up a sign that I want Coors Light, nobody would care. And she's a three-year-old woman. Everybody thinks it's great. And as far as Coors Light, you know, just one little add-on to that Coors Light because it is, it is absolute trash. Uh, I had somebody close to me. I won't say names. Got their first DUI. Uh, cop came up to the car. Some Coors Light cans fell out. <laughs> cop said, "Cop said, are those yours?" And the man simply stated, "Do I look like I drink Coors Light?" Uh, you know, needless to say, he did get charged and uh, license was suspended. And you know, ten thousand dollars later in fines. So he's, you know, acceptable <laughs> citizen in uh, society now. So. <laughs> So, so in summation, based on that story, uh, Coors Light has scarred your family. Oh, 100%. But, I mean, I'm a South Jersey uh, native, so I have nothing positive to say about anybody else. <laughs> All right. Let's now jump into the conspiracy corner. I uh, want to give Josh a chance to maybe provide uh, any updates on some stories we've talked about in the past, or maybe there is some juicy news that he's just sinking his teeth into that's coming across the wire that he's going to be following up. Um, On my end, there has been no updates on the Obama uh, 
conspiracy. Uh, to my knowledge, Biden has not yet picked a running mate. And I will now turn it over to Josh. What are you looking out? What's out there right now in the in the ether, in the webs? Yeah, real quick. Um, they're still they're still keeping Biden's under Biden under wrap though. So even though there's not really an update on his running mate. Um, you know, because of the coronavirus, they're able to continue to kind of keep him out of the public eye. So as of now, that conspiracy still has some wind under its sails. Exactly. So uh, obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about the coronavirus and the current administration. But this week, I'm going to switch it up and talk about some things that uh, were brought to my attention that I am definitely going to dive a little bit more into. Uh, the first thing being Kim Jong-un's health. Uh, about three days ago, CNN, which I've already explained uh, my thoughts on that media outlet and my disdain for them. They released some information to the public that Kim, Jong- Kim Jong-un was fatally ill. Um, and really, their only explanation for that was because he's been out of the, the public eye um, for about a week or two. And there was some sort of celebration. I don't know if it was a family member's birthday. He was expected to show up and he didn't. So based on that information, they just assumed that they could run with the story that Kim Jong-un was fatally ill and potentially on his deathbed. A couple days have passed since then, and both the South Korean government and the Chinese government uh, have released information that conflicts what CNN reported. Um, And they're basically saying that, no, Kim Jong-un is fine. Um, He isn't dead, nor is he dying at this point. Um, So CNN, again, running a story without any verification of its validity. They did not surprise me. I don't know. Potentially, man. I can't keep up with all their crazy stories. I swear it was it's a repeat of Castro. I mean, it uh, he was announced sick and then they were saying, No, no, he's fine and then like a week later he was they everyone found out he was dead and he had been dying and like they were trying to hide it and Well, I can hey, if you wanna I'm not in this story I will give a little bit of credit where credit's due with CNN I mean if a source comes to you and gives you that information and you want to be kind of at the forefront you do some research and you know you are able to verify that Kim Jong-un has not been in the public if you want to release that information that's one thing but to just assume that the guy is dying is taking a giant leap of faith the reason why I'm going to dig into this story is because I'm sure whenever CNN's involved there is uh, another layer. There's a reason behind why they're reporting this information. Um, you know, a year or two ago, Trump met with, well, I don't know if he met in person. Well, no, yeah, I think he did meet in person with Kim Jong-un. They're supposed to have a decent relationship. So I'm sure there's some uh, additional layers to that story. Trump's so that's got the great, great relationships with uh, interesting people. Yeah, I know. So I'm sure there's a reason why, um, uh, and and just based on me scratching the surface, you know, how would a regime change in North Korea have an impact on Trump's grip and handle on what's going on in South and North Korea? You know, that's what it boils down to. So that's the first thing, but more interesting and 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 probably. Uh, a little bit more up the conspiracy theorist alley. Uh, today, breaking news, the Pentagon officially released uh, some UFO video. 
Uh, and I, I use the term officially because it's not anything new. Um, there was a video going around um, that people had been talking about where the Navy saw an unidentified object flying over the ocean in weird patterns and directions ascending and descending quickly and then it just kind of vanished into the ocean um it's official because now the pentagon is basically coming out and saying yes it's true it happened and they're turning over all of the video evidence um all of in quotations though i mean who knows it's up to them to really decide what they want to release to the public but i have seen some quotes from intelligence officials that said the reason why that they're releasing this is um it's because the american pu uh, public deserves to see it um and as a conspiracy theorist ufos and alien life form potentially being out there you know that's that's a huge huge conspiracy in itself whether or not you believe in it um, but that's something that people have been arguing about for years and years and years while I bring up this topic show of hands I'll start off with you Michael UFOs aliens do you believe they exist what are your thoughts statistically they have to um, are have they been here in modern history and I'm gonna say since uh, last hundred years ah, I don't know um, are there a lot of weird things technically the true definition of a UFO, a UFO is an unidentified flying object yes I believe in those um, whether or not their origin who knows but uh, I'm a big 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 avid fan of ancient aliens Keith, what are your thoughts? Uh, I definitely think there's something out there. Uh, just think reasonably. Uh, you know, space, world, it's a huge place. Obviously, these uh, light motions and these UFO uh, just move in a pattern. That's just something that we haven't seen exist. Uh, not saying it's not plausible that uh, military has something that we haven't seen or they don't want to release to us, but. Uh, now, even dating back, as Mike said, ancient times, I mean, just a uh, correlation with the pyramids and and how uh, properly they were built, uh, just a little off the neck that they were able to do that at that time. So, mm. The well, type of math and that whole Egypt period is just so fascinating. We may do a whole episode on that because there's enough there, conspiracy-wise, to talk about also relating to modern. Like, there, there's some math that we're just now discovering that they had access to that was we have only found those equations recently and derived them um but they knew about them way before we did and they were lost in time so it's it's there's got to be some sort of knowledge being passed down to ancient man uh in my eyes now whether that's going on today maybe josh you can you can enlighten us <laughs> well if i i wish i but knew this everything is this is huge though the a, a, an official government is releasing information that a, a confirmation and I'm, i was just on google just trying to see if i could get some numbers of how many times this has happened and the only thing i can really find is that there were like something since 1950 something there were like 1200 sightings um, all of which 700 have been uh, explained. 
now those 700 ish aren't confirmed they're just the they're they're just putting a stamp as well those are weird um not a ufo we don't know what it is but this one they're actually saying is a ufo yeah that is the the shocking breaking news element of it to kind of get back to what you guys were talking about there are some conspiracies that have floated around for a while um that you know directly tie ancient civilizations to potential alien contact uh, as an explanation for buildings such as the pyramid um uh, there's another conspiracy that i don't even want to call it a conspiracy maybe it's more of a theory that i buy into um that would explain that i'm not going to get into too much detail because we have some other segments that we need to get into, but maybe in a uh, in a later episode, that should be something that we talk about. I think there's a lot to, um, especially if if more develops with this story, I think it would be a good topic to get into. But before we segue, if you are interested in that type of stuff, um, go out and watch Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. It's a documentary about an individual that claims to have worked at Area 51. Um, and, and if claims you don't know who have... Bob Lazar is and you're a fan of UFOs, you're not. Good point. That's a good point. But there are some yeah. you know, novices that are going to tune in. is amazing. Um, if there's truth to it, God, I hope so. Like, <laughs> Me too. Son of a bitch. It's really detailed, man. I think that's the best um, account that has a bunch of really weird things that will make you question that he's, you know, it's going to make you question what you know. And, and even if some of it is bogus and made up, there are some things in that documentary that have now been confirmed years and years later that make you think that maybe the entire story is valid and he is telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And this ties into whether or not the whole theme of today's episode is socially acceptable. Uh, UFOs is a great way to end it on because is it socially acceptable for governments to let us know that they're out there, uh, they're being aliens? Uh, what does that do to our society? Is it create uh, some of the same type of Armageddon type things we're seeing now with COVID and coronavirus and you know end of the world? And that all gets triggered when something that people can't explain happens. So whether or not that's socially acceptable, we're going to segue now on that into movies that are not socially acceptable. I want to talk about some films that have been put out there before, released, made, TV or direct-to-film. Uh, can be released anytime in the past, but if those were tried to be produced today or released today, uh, we would hit some, some speed bumps. Um, I'm going to start us off here with a classic going back uh, to 1984 with a little movie called 16 Candles and, and a director of this period that he dominated film, uh, John Hughes. Um, so 16 Candles is all about a high school sophomore trying to celebrate her 16th birthday. That's the story everyone's aware of. Um, and it's a beautiful tale of rape. <laughs> Uh, subplot she's planning for her birthday uh, she's also trying to get with the most attractive guy in school uh, and she's being shamelessly pursued by a geek and this is 
kind of the only type of dual romantic pursuits that manifest in the 80s and don't really work out well today. Uh, for one thing, there's the Nerdy Ted, played by Anthony Michael Hall, again, another uh, just actor of the 80s, that time period, decides to prove to his friends that he'll get um, uh, Molly Ringwald's character, Sam, sorry, her name's Sam, uh, to hook up with him by showing his buddies a pair of her panties. Uh, Ted ends up then hooking up with the prom queen instead. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff with the Chinese exchange student. Um, that's just a horrible, wrong portrayal of Asian culture. Uh, and it gets into the whole... Uh, is sex uh, you know, saying yes or no, rape, um, racial depictions... It just couldn't happen today. The movie, I think, would just be uh, criticized to no end. Um, what are your guys' thoughts, Josh? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I agree with you. When we decided that we were going to talk about this topic, it was actually one of the first movies uh, that I thought about that would fit um, this segment really well. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I don't think that it could be released today and have the popularity that it had. Um, you know, maybe if it was released straight to D- DVD by like an indie film producer, uh, it would be a possibility. But this wasn't something, or this isn't something that, you know, is going to be released today that you could run out to the AMC and, and watch. Um uh, I, don't and I think, think they you, could say this Chinese exchange student's name in like a paper nowadays, Long Duck Dong. <laughs> it, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, that might be really the the most offensive part of the movie as far as what's going on today. I mean, this type of stuff doesn't bother me. You know, I'm of the belief system that you know it's a movie. It is what it is. You shouldn't take personal offense to it. But that's growing good, up. <laughs> that's growing good, up point to make is that we are uh, accepting of the movies we're about to present as pieces of art um, that they were made in a period that were accepted at that time uh, but we're critiquing them um, more to, to make fun of how they're, what, what, what they would be doing releasing today but we don't want to discredit any of these works in their, their time. I just want to put that disclaimer on there for any lawyers listening. Uh, continue. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great movie. Um, so definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. But but you're correct. You know, growing up today, especially I mean, even um, you know, I'm 28 years old, so my generation. But definitely the 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 younger kids, the Gen Z that are growing up now, that movie would be so foreign to them. It would be unlike anything that they would experience that are in movies that are being released today. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Keith? I definitely think it was a movie ahead of its time. Uh do agree with you uh, on the aspect that if it was something that was going to be released nowadays, uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to see it coming from a different country. Uh, I just don't think anybody in America is going to pick up that publication and produce that movie. Uh, I mean, you're going to have women's rights groups. You're going to offend somebody uh, in that sector, uh, and that's going to be enough to shut it down. Especially with all the big movie, uh, all the big money uh, from China in the film industry, they wouldn't have I know. at all. And I challenge our listeners: uh, if you're under or around the age of 20, uh, you must watch 16 Candles, uh, Breakfast Club, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You must watch the the John Hughes uh, trifecta 
of 80s movies. Um, and then you maybe can understand a little bit more about life. <laughs> and that, and that's, a great a good point too. that's a good point, too. It would take a, a director such as, you know, a John Hughes or Clint Eastwood, uh, somebody that can, you know, put that kind of movie out, still be respected, uh, put the right kind of edge to it. Uh, mm-hmm. That'll still, I guess, deem it socially acceptable, at least at that time. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know how you sell it nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you turn it into High School Musical 3. Four, seven. <laughs> That's what you do. That's hilarious. What did you bring for us today, Josh? Man, this is so good. Um, I'm a big movie guy. Watch a lot of film. Um, Sixteen, like I mentioned, Sixteen Candles is definitely one that uh, that I thought about. Um, and then Keith talking about Clint Eastwood instantly in my head. Grant Torino popped up. Um, but really, I thought of an actor more so a more so than a movie. I actually thought about Gene Wilder. Which led me to thinking that oh, a great movie to talk about would be Blazing Saddles. And uh, if that's a movie that you've never seen, check it out. You'll understand some of the racial undertones, frequent use of the N-word. Uh, but I thought that would be too cookie cutter for today's segment. So I'm going to turn to another Gene Wilder movie. And it's a kid's movie, which I thought would be an interesting spin on this. Because... I think 16 Candles is probably rated like PG-13. It's, even for its time, it wasn't acceptable for children to watch. But in uh, the early 70s, Willy Wonka was released. It was rated G. Um, and of course, Gene Wilder plays Willy Wonka as the main character. Um, and why I think that movie is would probably not be socially acceptable for today's time is there's actually a couple of reasons. One reason right off the bat the movie's kind of eerie. So it's supposed to be this kid's movie about these children that go to his chocolate factory and they're all trying to become like his successor. Um, And what ends up happening is a lot of the kids die and it's not a cartoon and they show some of the deaths. It's really weird to see like, you know, a little kid, eight, nine, 10 years old, suffocate to death and they just kind of like laugh it off and move on to the next scene so that's the first thing that's odd about it but then beyond that um some of the commentary and the dialogue in the movie uh specifically from gene wilder gene wilder's character willy wonka um he basically scolds the children's parents so kind of as the movie progresses each scene um one of the children basically die i mean i don't want to say they don't actually die in the movie but you can assume that they probably didn't live or if they didn't live they had this traumatic experience or if they did live they had this traumatic experience that happened to them um and he he kind of tries to teach a lesson as the movie progresses and each one of the children kind of back out of the competition uh one of the kids in the movie is a german kid and he's really fat and obese and uh he's basically like a glutton so willy wonka talks about how you shouldn't live your life that way you shouldn't overeat you shouldn't be fat which you know today they talk about body image and loving yourself regardless of what you look like and then there's a a later scene where there's a character named mike tv and he's kind of like your badass little kid that talks back to his mom and uh, walks all over his mom, like, shut up, I hate you type deal. And um, when he's, when Mike TV finally kind of, I don't want to give the movie away, but when he bails out as well, 
Um, you know, Willy Wonka basically talks about how his mother didn't discipline him. Um, I don't think he actually mentions like, hey, you need to hit your child. But you can kind of take that away based on what he was saying in the lesson that he was trying to provide. So I think Willy Wonka is a good movie because there's a couple different reasons why it wouldn't be socially acceptable today. I'm sure you've seen the movie. Uh, I know it was re-released in like the mid-2000s. I've never watched the remake. And now I want to rewatch it to see if, you know, to see how consistent it was with the first film. It hit the same beats as seeing the 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 new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, except the character played who played Willy Wonka was Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp is not Gene Wilder. Both method actors, both crazy in their own right, uh, but Johnny Depp took it as more of a childish approach to Willy Wonka than Gene Wilder did as uh, Johnny Depp felt like he was a kid trapped inside this factory his entire life, which I know is, is part of the story, but he really had the mentality of a child through the movie. Um, <sighs> it was very, very uh, socially disconnected, uh, could not handle himself, could didn't, interact with the parents or the kids really well but gene wilder was such a charismatic character throughout the whole first movie the original um it's just different uh didn't like it but it hit the same beats it was the same story uh, to the t yeah and tim burton directed that one i'm a big tim burton fan uh that's interesting that they that it was that consistent with the first film i'll have to give it a watch that came out in 2005 so Uh, And I just looked it up. That movie was PG as well as the original, which is, I'm surprised if it was that similar to the first movie that they would release it with that rating. Some interesting facts about Willy Wonka. The Chocolate River uh, was real. It was made of mixture of chocolate, cream, and water. It was about 150,000 gallons, and it smelt god-awful, according to actors, uh, towards the filming of the set. Some quick little... Uh, IMDb uh, trivia here on this movie. Um, all the Oompa Loompas, since they filled this filmed this whole movie, was in Munich. Uh, all the Oompa Loompas were supposed to be German uh, Union actors, but they couldn't get all the short people. I'm trying to say this without uh, offending anyone uh, in that area, so they had to hire other people to fill those roles. That and so majority of the cast did not speak English and was not paid very well. Um, so it was basically the Oompa Loompas were slave labor, even on the set being portrayed, you know, so it's. Wow, that's weird. Movies were made differently back then. Um, the phrase, the show must go on. Doesn't necessarily hold true now. I am happy that you hit on that, though. I do find that the most uh, disturbing factor in that movie is the fact that you have short people running around like a uh, sweatshop. Mm-hmm. For this guy, and he uh, makes it seem like the you know there's a safe place for them. It's almost like a cult. Yeah, because I took them in. Them the they had the nowhere world. to go. So yes, that is, I think that's the most disturbing part of that whole entire movie that nobody seems to uh, ever speak on. It's like the uh, you know the 1800s white man going over to Africa and bringing back a, a load full of uh, slaves, and yeah, I, I, they had nowhere to go. I took them yep. in. I'm doing them a favor. Jesus Christ.
<laughs> so All weird. right, Keith, bring a little light to this. What what do you got? Uh, this might be an obvious uh, situation, but uh, with today's times, I still think it's the most prevalent situation going on, and that is race. Uh, so there was a movie made, I'd say almost 20 years ago, maybe 15 at this point, uh, called White Chicks. <laughs> now, I'm sure all of us are familiar with it. Just a brief uh, little summary of the plot. Uh, it's just two uh, brothers, black brothers, African-American brothers, the Waynes brothers. And they portray and they dress up as uh, white girls. Uh, and they basically, you know, just show you what it's like to be a white girl in every sense of the word. And uh, today, nowadays, I feel like, and I'll, I'll do a quick flip on the plot. If you were to name a movie called Black Girls and had, you know, white men dressed up and, you know, black in their skin to be black girls, uh, do not think that would go over too well. For a multitude of reasons. <laughs> Blackface typically doesn't. No. No, but it's just it just goes to show you I feel like we've almost regressed uh, in a way that we can laugh at each other. Uh, just understand that it is art. It's a movie. It's meant to be funny. It had good ratings. It sold well in theaters. It sold well on DVD. Uh, but I, I just, it's not fathomable to think that, you know, if you reverse that whole storyline, uh, that anybody would produce that movie and anybody would even act in that movie and it would even sell well without any kind of uh, repercussions in the movie industry. I, I agree that that was a, it did well box office wise as, as well as any Wayne's brothers movies do. Um, not a personal fan of it, but it, it is, it is a testament to when it came out so recently and how, much it did kind of walk even though you reversed the scenario it couldn't be done i i still think what they did was uh borderline even for the time and i'm surprised they got away with it honestly without any more repercussions i mean i haven't heard anything that the damons have done since then with the waynes brothers um i don't think they've even i'm sure they've had some tv stuff but maybe that did kill their careers i don't know uh they're certainly not as popular now as they were before, but just the name of the movie is kind of funny, like White Chicks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. if you knew nothing about it, uh, you would never suspect that that's what the movie was about. Like, that that was the plot. Starring the Waynes Brothers, White Chicks. Different movie, <laughs> different movie that I would pitch. <clears throat> <laughs> exactly, man. That's a good one. I actually like that movie. I think it's a classic for, its, for being just a completely goofy stupid movie it's not something that you want to watch and be like oh this is a great piece of cinema but um okay i'll, I'll put that on the shelf along with grandma's boy then oh grandma's boys grandma's boy is a classic mm-hmm. grandma's boy is a classic glad you're on my team so let's do some uh, honorable mentions uh josh i think honorable mention goes to blazing saddles you'd agree there when you team mel brooks up with gene wilder with a script written in part by richard pryor you're gonna get socially unacceptable oh yeah for sure absolutely this, that's the classic uh example of a movie that would never be made today i would also put anything uh the airplane series anything with leslie nielsen in that time period right along with this as being close you guys have any other movies that you think uh would should make like an honorable mentions list off the top of your heads I said Gran Torino, too, a little bit earlier, which I think is a fantastic film, and it's not that old. 
It's another one that came out maybe a couple of years after White Chicks. But uh, yeah, that's another one where race plays a factor um, for both some of the dialogue between um, his Asian neighbors. And they also talk about the, uh, the black people that live in the neighborhood that he lives in. And uh, so I think Gran Torino is a good one. That's a, that's actually a really good movie that uh, I recommend checking out. Keith, what are you thinking? Uh, I'd have to say the same. I mean, spoke a little bit earlier. Blazing Saddles was definitely number two film I was going to speak on. Uh, but Gran Torino, anything Clint Eastwood, I feel like he has the, uh, the modern day edge. He's able to put out a little bit more than uh, some other directors can get away with. Uh, Tim, Tim Burton has, you know, his dark, dark side to him. Uh, but the edge definitely goes to Clint Eastwood in modern, modern movie making, uh, in my opinion. And why don't we all agree to give a bronze medal to Tropic Thunder? Specifically, of uh, course. <laughs> not necessarily Robert Downey Jr., but I'm just after the Tom Cruise performance in that movie. Probably Tom Cruise's best role. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> it's a cameo. But uh, definitely agree with you there. And obviously... Uh, Tropic Thunder for reasons very similar to White Chicks. Uh, just it's, it's unreal that it was able to come out, and uh, you didn't hear anything about it. To be honest with you, no. Actually, after shortly after Tropic Thunder, uh, Robert Downey Jr. became Iron Man. Iron Man. Yep. Or right around that same time, so it obviously didn't hurt his career at all. And boy, has the world changed since 2008. Thank you, Barack Obama. <laughs> So there's the first little mini segment. We wanted to talk about some socially unacceptable or socially acceptable movies. Uh, What we want to kind of wrap up today with is uh, topical. Uh, Just want to do some quick uh, go around our group here and talk about uh, pandemic quarantine, something relating to coronavirus. Uh, Josh, why don't you kick us off? What's kind of your favorite movie in that genre? Zombie, quarantine, pandemic? Yeah, this is one of uh, my favorite horror movies, potentially, of all time. Uh, Zombie movie, 28 Days Later. 28 Weeks Later, just the series, Mm -hmm. both those movies. Um, They do... The the first thing is it's a completely original take on zombies. right? For years and years, it were these slow creatures that moved super slow and tried to attack you and would eat your brains and they decided all right well what if zombies were on steroids and could run super fast and were super aggressive and um it's just a very suspenseful thrilling movie um but the reason why they are zombies at least in that movie is uh it's the result of of a virus um, and I believe there was like a chimp or some sort of monkey mm-hmm. that was infected with some sort of virus in a research lab, like a medical lab that gets released. Uh, and this is in London. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it starts infecting everyone. And instead of people um, just being quarantined in their houses and hanging out using Postmates, they're turning into zombies. Um, so maybe we should be fortunate <laughs> that we're in the state that we are in and it's, we're not living out 28 days later. This movie is uh, phenomenal. I think one of the better in the zombie genre uh, of quarantine and pandemic movies. Um, and I think you're right. The virus was some form of rabies that they were trying to 
cure and that kind of fed into the plot line of the uh hyper aggressive zombies they they move fast um and then the sequel 28 weeks later playing off then kind of you know zombies have no food and everything kind of slowing down the zombies slow down in response to that it's just a it, it, i wish there was a third in the series they both those mm-hmm. movies are incredible um some of the better zombie ones out there yeah and just to touch on that you know another thing that you got going on throughout the two movies not to give anything away in case you've never seen it um is you have one of the main characters is a little boy and he is basically immune to the virus so um you know he becomes a very important character because they want to preserve his blood so they could potentially come out with a vaccine or a cure um kind of what's going on today with the coronavirus everybody's after those antibodies yeah man keith what, um, uh, what's your favorite quarantine themed movie uh, just to keep it going with the uh, the zombie situation, I would have to say Dawn of the Dead. Uh, it's early 2000s. Uh, very similar in the sense of, uh, I feel like obviously with the coronavirus, there's no threat outside of, you know, the virus itself. Uh, mm-hmm. When you factor in, you know, mutant changing uh, zombie situation, it, uh, it definitely escalates uh, the fear factor. Uh, and Dawn of the Dead was one of those movies that captivated me when I was younger. Uh, definitely had my heart pounding. Uh, the, the speed in which the zombies move, the relentlessness. Uh, you know, the, the, the fact of, I, I don't want to give away the ending, but, uh, I mean, there's, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. Yep. I, I prefer the more lighthearted version of that movie, Shaun of the Dead. Excellent zombie movies. Uh, if we're going to stay on this theme, then I've got, the, I, I think, the mecca of zombie movies, in, in my opinion. I'm, I'm one, a Will Smith fan. Uh, and two, I just love this movie because I see a natural progression in the current world. Um, and like you were just saying, Keith, it's you add that extra layer of, well, the mutation, the kind of the zombie. In my eyes, that's where coronavirus is headed or, or could head and not because of the virus itself it's what we do to try to combat the virus that could go wrong and that's where i am legends plot picks up um in the start of the movie will smith plays a scientist that is uh part of a company that has found a cure for i forget what it is um malaria or no sorry they find a cure for cancer that's what it is so they're uh, on TV, this company's broadcasting. We found the cure for cancer. It's a vaccine. We're going to give it to everyone. Uh, and because this new medical dr- miracle drug and it was distributed so quickly, it skipped human uh, or animal testing, went right to human trials, and then ultimately in this movie, it was given to the public to inoculate them from cancer, and it ended up going horribly wrong. The vaccine then triggered a mutation in the people because it wasn't tested and you now end up with zombies so that progression of there's a virus or a disease we're in a panic to come up with a cure for it we skip some very important steps and create a much bigger problem than what we started with and that's i am legend and that's i think as close to today as we're going to see some of the events playing out 
um, pharmaceutical companies racing for this cure or vaccine, what is going to be missed along the way? What are they going to forget to do? What steps are going to be skipped because we need this so desperately? Uh, and how bad is it going to be a year from now, two years from now, or 10 years from now? We will have no idea. Yeah, so in short, don't get, don't get vaccinated, man. So we have another I am legend, another I am legend on our hands. Yeah, scary stuff. Scary stuff. I haven't watched that movie in a while, and I feel like I should because it really is a. It's just a fantastic film. It's so well written. And him alone, for a majority of that movie, uh, dealing with the day to day life is very much what we're going through in quarantine. I mean, yes, he's able to go out in the city because he has a natural immunity to this disease um that's turning people into zombies but there's nobody left uh in the daytime so he's able to just be in the city by himself and he's like going to the dvd store and he's set up mannequins in there to have like conversations like he's meeting people so it's all i think it's a good movie to watch nowadays um unless you're going to be a little bit uh it may hit a little too close to home for some people um check it out Check it out. That is our quick dive into what I'm going to call uh, our movie podcast for this season. I don't think we'll dive into movies uh, in another episode. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Do you like us talking about movies? Because there are tons of uh, different ways we can do this. Um, One movie or video that you guys are going to see is actually of us. We are in the works of trying to figure out how to produce a video episode as a reward for you guys, uh, all our listeners. We've hit 10,000 plays on Spotify. Uh, Josh and I wanted to try to do something fun and different and that we could share with everyone, and uh, we're going to attempt Conspiracy Jeopardy. The game board is made. I've posted about it on Twitter. Um, I hope we're going to have some fun with this. We're going to get a couple contestants to face off against Josh, and uh, I'm going to be the game master, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. So please stay tuned to Twitter. Keep an eye out for updates. I don't know what episode we're going to do it for. It may be supplemental to a weekly episode, but just stay tuned on Twitter for updates on that. We're going to try to get it in in the next couple of weeks. Uh, with everything going on in the world, it's difficult to do a video episode all remotely. There's some stuff we just got to figure out. Um, Again, big thanks to Keith for joining us today. Josh, as always, it's been a pleasure. All of your listeners out there, Twitter, Spotify, you guys be good, and we'll see you again next week. Yep, $500,000. Place your bets on me, not on rocks, paper, scissors. I'm winning Conspiracy (laughs) Jeopardy. (laughs) 